Buongiorno and welcome to the Global Podcast, where we keep you up to date on the latest trends and insights on diplomacy in international development. I'm your host, Jesu Antonio Baez, Director of Pax Tecum Global Consultancy, based here in London, which produces this series. In this podcast, I sit down with thought leaders, diplomats, and experts on the field, as well as provide analysis from our own team at Pax to talk more about the need for diplomacy in international development in order to foster political will around greater social impact and good. So grab your headphones and let's get on with the show. episode of the Global Podcast, I wanted to actually talk to you about the country of Rwanda. It's a country that has truly been on my radar for a very long time since my visit to the country in July of this year uh, with colleagues on a work mission. There's something that really is needed to say about the dynamic nature of this country by its growth and the vision it has for itself uh, going forward, uh, particularly both in uh, meeting the Sustainable Development Goals and becoming a true contender within the global marketplace. And what has inspired me to bring this and share this with you is a recent article that we shared on the Global Connection newsletter uh, entitled Keeping Up with Kigali, coming in from the African Report. Now, it goes over mainly the capital city, uh, Kigali's plan for sustainable growth and the bumps and pitfalls that the country has had along the years in trying to really be the most dynamic city within Africa. But... There, there are a few things to understand about Rwanda that will leave you gobsmacked, probably, when I mention this. I mean, Kigali is the safest city in Africa. It is the cleanest city in Africa. And it is also the greenest city in Africa. And by green, I mean that it is forbidden for you to enter the country with those little plastic bags they make you put all your liquids in, with the punishment being $1,000 or higher if caught in the country with them. So how did this country get there? Because, of course, the country suffers from a very, very heinous past, which occurred in April of 1994, the famed Rwandan genocide. The genocide, of course, which was the result of Hutus killing both moderate Hutus and Tutsis uh, in as a result of very ingrained tension, I don't want to say racially, because in actual fact, Hutu and Tutsi were social statuses. Tutsis were landowners, Hutu were people who worked on the lands, and then there were the Twa, which is a third group, which were uh, more hunters and gatherers within the country, some classified as bush people. Uh, so it wasn't really, it wasn't a race, as many like to call it, but unfortunately it was imposed racial identity without the racial substance behind it uh, by the Belgian colonizers uh, and left its legacy even after independence. And that's where we, that's where the turning point comes, which is after uh, the 1994 genocide where Rwandans have to come to terms with what had just happened. And the winner of the Tutsi group, which was the RPF, led by current president Paul Kagame and his mission to really 
have the country transform itself and live the motto of never again into the consciousness of, of Rwandans accordingly. And this is where the success really takes on. Paul Kagame becomes president of the country and introduces the Gakacha court system to reconcile and bring to justice those who committed the heinous crimes, aka the Hutus who killed Tutsis and the Tutsis who were the victims and looking to bring justice against those who have been killed and against those who had killed their family. And the success of the Kakacha court, which was basically open field court deliberations, was massive reconciliations between Hutu and Tutsis accordingly. And leading on to that was Paul Kagame's effort with his government to then forge a Rwandan national identity. To this day in Rwanda, it is forbidden to ask what somebody's ethnicity is, uh, because as I've also mentioned, the notion of Hutu and Tutsi as a race is completely inaccurate, but nonetheless, it is illegal to ask if somebody is Hutu or Tutsi for obvious reasons. But to forge the identity of what it means to be Rwandan, he managed to have the flag replaced with the new flag, which has an azure yellow and green color on it. And, and he also introduced the English language as a primary lingua franca, reducing the importance of the French language. And that also happens to have its roots within the genocide where um, the French government didn't offer support against the those who were committing the genocide or the genocidaire accordingly, and has left a pretty bad taste in the mouth of, of Rwandan recollection. However, that could potentially change given the fact that the foreign minister or the former foreign minister of Rwanda, who has been in power since after the genocide, has now been elected to president of the Francophonie, which is the organization of the French language, uh, despite Rwanda's efforts to remove the language and replace it with English accordingly. But nonetheless, its inclusion of the English language has allowed much more businesses to actually come and investigate and invest in Rwanda accordingly. And that's the other ingredient to Rwanda's success story. Uh, Paul Kagame has a real entrepreneurial spirit about him, and he emphasized this within his government, as Rwanda truly is one that is open for business, with a goal to reduce its dependency on foreign aid, as seen in the Vision 2020, which was implemented by the government, that has seen both poverty reduction strategies and also economic development programs implemented within the country to both empower Rwandans and also stimulate the country accordingly to be a real game player within the international market. And this is absolutely apparent, and it's coming within the figures. I mean, you happen to have Visa that was invited to the country and allowed for credit card accessibility payment to be done throughout the country, which makes visiting Rwanda extremely easy if you are cashophobic, such as me. And looking at the figures in its own right, you have 91% of Rwandans in school. You also have a drop in maternal mortality, where Rwanda was one of the countries to meet its Millennium Development Goals. Accordingly, you have a reduction in poverty where the poverty rate in 2011 was 44% and in 2014 became 39% and continues to reduce accordingly. A government that was open to international development programs into the nation to empower women, to reinvigorate the health system and health structure 
that is both robust and sustainable for the population. And as of only a few days ago, literally a few days ago, Rwanda and its new foreign affairs minister, Richard Sezibara, has actually placed its bid to join the OECD, or the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development, also known as a club for very rich countries. That is a huge feat for a country where, over 20 years ago, suffered from not only a heinous genocide, but was one of the poorest countries within East Africa accordingly. Now, what does this also mean? It means a wealth of opportunity for both impact investors and businesses that have a sustainable and impact-focused mind, as well as international organizations or NGOs looking to help enhance and work with Rwanda to reach its level of empowerment uh, for social development accordingly. For businesses, it's apparent the country is open to all opportunities that meet it, of course, in alliance with its Vision 2020, and that can be many opportunities from both electric infrastructure reinvigoration to transportation to even economic investment. As of April of this year, a large uh, Dutch impact investor, DOB Equity, chose to invest in Sarura Commodities, which is a grain trading company, a huge opportunity for the country where it's looking to actually prioritize its exports in its attempt to reduce its dependence on foreign aid. And with that country putting that in mind, this brings in also opportunities for investment in its coffee production and many other exports which the country is looking to really provide a focus on. This also provides an opportunity for businesses that are looking to align itself with the government in achieving these sustainable development goals and introducing businesses that not only empower local citizens with jobs, with revenues, and even more opportunities, but also help empower the country sustainably. And naturally, it's an opportunity for NGOs working with the Rwandan government to achieve its 2030 SDG targets. Uh, and that's what is amazing about this country, is its absolute willingness to not only do business, but to listen to what you have to offer and willingness to work with you to see what this can do. I mean, I've had my eye in Rwanda for a very long time, and I encourage you to really consider it uh, for your next trip to East Africa. Uh, in the future, it's definitely going to be the public sector that's going to play a huge role in securing economic growth. And with a government on board, it's not going to be impossible to see that there's going to be a Rwanda that's not only going to be a real game changer within the African continent, but a true success story of both empowerment and development for Rwandans and Africans alike. So stick around, Rwanda isn't going anywhere anytime soon. That brings us to the end of this edition of the Global Podcast. I'm Jesu Antonio Baez, Director of Pax Tech and Global Consultancy, which produces this series. Please do check out our website at www.paxtechumglobal.org. That's P-A-X-T-E-C-U-M-G-L-O-B-A-L.org to discover more about our work. You can also follow this podcast and the work of PAX on both Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you like this podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and of course subscribe on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Join us next week for another edition, and until next time, grazie e ci sentiamo presto. Ciao!